We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today, I am joined by the great Alex Kirshner. He's the co-host of Split Zone Duo, which is just the best college football podcast out there, like second to none. Go listen to Split Zone Duo if you're a college football fan. But Alex is also a big golf fan, and we're talking about a long overdue movie, a movie chosen by our Patreon group, The Greatest Game Ever Played. And as always, want to shout out our big chill producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kolewski, Chris Mykoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, and Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting this show picking this movie if you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports you can vote on movies for this show to cover just like this movie uh you get to say you get to nominate you get to pick movies giving the patrons as much control as possible we're also keeping some keeping some choices for me on the show but uh given you know given the patrons two choices in august if you're listening day this drops you still got time to to get in on those polls you get schedule updates ad-free episodes and merch all while supporting the show big thanks to our producers all our patrons in general and thank you for uh for choosing this movie because it was was really fun to get to uh greatest game ever played is one of like disney's run at a golf movie it's coming off the you know miracle remember the titans the rookie those kind of movies i enjoyed having alex on with it if you're a college football fan again split zone do is just an absolute must the way those guys talk out the sport various dynamics around it is second down it's alex it's richard johnson another past guest of this show stephen godfrey just just the best uh go check them out alex is also a great writer he's a big golf fan he was a perfect guest for this one let's just dive right in the greatest game ever played me and alex kirshner Okay, joining me today on Big Screen Sports, he is the co-host of the best college football podcast in all the land split zone duo. It is Alex Kirshner. Alex, thank you so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Kyle, thank you, and thank you, Big Screen Sports, for having me on. Of course, yeah. Tell uh, tell the folks about SCD, where they can find it. You guys have, looks like via the Instagram today, you're ramping up big time with, uh, with season getting started. 
Yeah, so I, I do co-host a college football podcast called Split Zone Duo. My co-hosts are Stephen Godfrey of Secret Base and Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated. And we've been in operation since the 2020 season. We try to, as we like to say, eat the whole hog, talk about the ins and outs of college football, really give you a lot of context about it and a lot of background about the sport that you might not get other places. Um, and really hope to you know make you a, a smarter fan and, and a fan who has more fun uh, with the sport. So you can find us, Split Zone Duo, anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, and if you're interested, uh, you can check out our Patreon page at splitzoneduo.com. And we do a lot of bonus podcasts there. The SCD Patreon, some of the some of the best money I spend all year. Uh, definitely, folks, go check them out. If you're if you're a big screen sports lifer, if you've been here for a while, you remember we had Richard on, I think, in pre pandemic times to talk uh, to talk the replacements. But uh, Alex, you're more I've, I've seen from your writing, you're more than than just a football fan. You're also a golf fan, which is why today. We are here to talk the greatest game ever played, the 2005 Disney golf drama. In the 1913 U.S. Open, 20-year-old Francis Emet plays golf against his idol, 1900 U.S. Open champion Englishman Harry Varden, starts Shia LaBeouf, Stephen Delane, Peyton Lilly, and Josh Flitter is based on a book of the same name. Is directed by the late, great Bill Paxton, which was a real treat researching this one. Didn't realize that. Got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, which puts it kind of in the upper echelon of golf movies because there's really really not alex why why aren't there more great golf it's a great sport to watch it provides drama i mean we're recording this like fresh off uh a a pretty incredible uh final round of the british open like why why aren't we getting more from our golf movies i suspect that there are a few reasons for that the sport is only so exciting to so many people there are a lot of people who just aren't into the pace of golf or various other things about the sport. It isn't football. It isn't baseball. It isn't basketball. It isn't even hockey. And I think that sports movies gravitate towards teams, not exclusively, but largely so. We've seen some of that go the other way in recent years. You know, King Richard won a lot of awards, and that was about an individual athlete or two and their father. Uh, one of the things that's funny is that this movie on the movie poster for, for Greatest Game Ever Played, they say that they're from the, the same studio as The Rookie, which was the Dennis Quaid uh, like old, old baseball rookie movie that they did probably around 2000. But there's not a ton of like big popcorn flicks that are about individual athletes. It's, it's easier to go to the team route. Um, you know, not to say that any of it's unprecedented. So you need these really inspiring individual stories. Golf doesn't lend itself to it in the same way that, for instance, like the Williams sisters do. Uh, this is a sport that is mostly played by middle and rich middle class and rich americans you know i think it's a lot more of kind of a people's game in other parts of the world but you just don't have a ton of stories of players who grew up you know playing on public courses in compton to use the the king richard comp again and you know their dad was getting mugged by gang members trying to uh, give them an opportunity on the driving range you know it, it just doesn't lend itself to those kinds of stories that are catnip for hollywood and i think all of that kind of comes together to point to why there aren't that many good golf movies. Yeah. And when it, when it is a movie that's centered around an individual, like you mentioned, it's, it's usually like when it's a sports movie, it's like an iconic individual, like Ali or, you know, something, something like that, like stuff like that comes to mind. And in golf, especially the, the heroes of yesteryear, unless they, unless they put together like an Arnold Palmer biopic or um, a Jack Nicholas, like the obvious thing that people would get geared up for would be a tiger one, but I've got this kind of thing where I think we will get phased out 
of biopics of of like more modern athletes because like we've seen everything we've seen pretty much everything tiger's golf life tiger's personal life like i don't know how much we need the hollywood iteration because we we yeah. lived it versus you know versus like muhammad ali there's a lot more um you know behind yeah. the scenes of something like that golf is also very difficult to film um is one of the things it's like it's what makes tin cup such an accomplishment like booking out a course filming a um you know filming it the way they did obviously the long shots obviously you need to have people who can hit the shots whereas baseball basketball football very stagnant like you've got one shooting location um you know in this this movie does a few things as far as um makes a few choices a lot of cgi heavy choices on how they're going to show the golf which is interesting as opposed to i i feel like tin cup is the master class in the actual filming of golf of making it feel like the closest thing to, to watching a golf tournament this one i don't want to say like dumbs it down but it, it it certainly it certainly makes choices of what we're gonna we're gonna show more swings we're not gonna show much ball flight um you know that sort of thing which you know is effective you're not you're not asking to watch a golf tournament i feel like yeah, probably not. I think one of the things that I'll talk about later in the show is that the CGI in this movie is not believable by any stretch. Like, they're not making much of an effort for it to be believable, I don't think. I, hard for me to think back. I mean, I was young. This was 2005 when this came out, and I was born in 94. So I don't think that as a as a kid watching this movie that I noticed it as much as I did on the rewatch. But it kind of – it hopes that you're in on the joke with them about like, all right, hey, we're going to CGI this. And we're not going to attempt to shoot golf in the way that you would if you were watching a tournament or even like Tin Cup, like you mentioned. And uh, that's a choice. I it slightly bothered me when I was watching it back, but I understand it. It made you know sense because they wanted to focus on the narrative elements of it rather than the athletic feats. And you know they they didn't get themselves stuck on like the actors not being good enough at golf. And I think that that's a pretty good reason why is because of how CGI it was. Definitely, definitely. So for you, is it a, a Hall of Fame all-star starter bench warmer sports movie? Starter? Solid? Like, I, don't, I, I didn't think that it was bad. I remember when we brought up doing the show, and I was going to go back and watch it, thinking that it might look kind of dumb in retrospect, but it, it didn't feel that way to me. And it's funny because I had been this, – this movie had been on my mind when you messaged me about doing this because the U.S. Open, where this is set in 1913 – was of course just played in 2022 back in June and uh, it was played at the same course. It was played at the Country Club, which is just called the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. And so Francis We Met is all over the kind of branding of this year's tournament because it's, it's this great underdog story. USGA, the governing body, likes to talk about the history of the game. Um, and so I was, I was kind of in the mood to go back and see this anyway. And I was pleased with how it held up overall. Just you know, even despite some of the shortcomings that I alluded to, like I th- think it's a perfectly nice golf movie. Yeah, I would say starter too. Um, it, it hits that Disney family friendly kind of thing really well, but it's like like I watched it with my eight year old, and it was something we both enjoyed. Like I think that there's there's definite value in that as far as a golf movie. Whereas like I can't I can't watch Tin Cup with him. Sure, and the other thing you probably can't watch with with your eight year old, and maybe I mean maybe maybe your eight year old's a big golf fan. I don't know. A lot of a lot of kids just aren't going to want to watch golf. It's That's it's not also the truth. It's not pace well for them. Uh, you mean like, oh yeah, I'm going to sit at eight years old and watch a five hour round of these guys hitting this little ball around the field with two hours silence. of commercials. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just uh, 
it's it's hard to make to make a golf movie that kids are going to enjoy. I mean, it, this is really what one of one of two prominent efforts that I would say kids could enjoy. The other being Happy Gilmore, which is enjoyable for completely different reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's, d- different kind of different kind of kids enjoying that one. Um, yeah. it, this one. It doesn't because you think about like Disney goes all in on sports movies, like starting with like Titans It goes Titans, the rookie miracle, this like it starts running out these. This doesn't get to like where I view miracle is a fantastic movie and a fantastic like sports watch gives me the chills a bunch of times. This one's just a little more uneven. And there's there's certain things I can't I can't place about it, but it just not into that upper echelon or in same with like um, with remember the Titans. But I love, I feel like it just gets the vibes of golf really well, especially like that old golf. And like a lot of the things that are cool is like golf in its essence, like there's the stuffy, you know, playing to playing to par this movie par, especially in in the old days, like par very relevant, like Francis met shoots a 81 and it's, it's fine. Um, it's, yeah. it's more about score. Whereas now we get so, we get so hung up in that, but like the scene where Ted Ray knocks the, the golf ball through a book in a rowdy bar, like that, that's kind of what, that's the every man's golf. Like everyone loves golf. Like sometimes golf is just hitting a really fun shot and it gets the, it, it gets that essence a little bit. Uh, it's also a really good fuck them rich people movie, which I liked. It is. And there's, there's a bit of uh maybe light, I would call it a light dusting of jingoism in here as well. Uh, but it's of the anti-British kind, so it's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like this hierarchical structure of golf where the British own the game or used to own the game. And this is kind of, you know, we met as kind of viewed as like the not only the, the hard scrabble working class kid, but as like the American. So it's it's the working class kid against the aristocratic English stars, but it's also USA versus, versus Britain. And I'm sure that that played up a lot of the hype around this, you know, as a real life story at the time and was one of the things that was appealing to Disney is that you kind of give it these loosely patriotic undertones in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Disney's lucky they had a very talented, I guess at that point, he's not even a child actor, but um, just someone in their stable, like a young, talented actor play this. And like Shia, like just to get out of the way has, has clearly had his problems. Um, and it is, you know, it's had some upsetting stuff come to light. Um, but there's, you know, you can't deny it. He's, he's very, he's very charismatic on screen. He's very engaging. Um, he's been like that since he was, since he was young. Um, and, and this is kind of no different. It's good if they, you know, a lot of, a lot of young Disney actors around in that period, if they pick the wrong one, this movie, I don't think is nearly as good. Like you can't. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, we, we all have, I mean, I'm sure you do this more than me because you have a movie podcast. Um, this is an unfortunate thing about uh, looking back on movies with child stars, unfortunately, in so many different cases. Shy is one of them, um, not going to embrace the artist and, and what he became and what he is alleged to have done, in some cases known to have done later in life, um, separate for me. Um, I enjoyed this movie. I, I did think that it was like one of his better performances and... In a way, it makes you sad because he, he kind of has this bushy-tailed innocence about him in this role. And, of course, he is acting, so that is part of the deal. And he's also pretty young at this case. But, yeah, it makes you think kind of in the way that uh, various other movies involving young Disney stars, you know, like I can't watch The Parent Trap anymore without thinking, ah, things really got rough for her, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just the way it is. I mean, I guess Home Alone is the classic of that genre. And, and as a non-professional reviewer of cinema, just as a, a fan of movies and TV, it's always on your mind with so many of these works that were made in like the 2000s when I was a kid too. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if you watch, if you watch Honey Boy, you're like, which is based on on Shia's life and his upbringing. It's like, oh, okay, he's 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 going through it at this point. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't not acknowledge it. It's a really charismatic performance. He's great on screen. Um, he does Transformers a few years after this, which like the first one, I've, I'll still stand for. Like that movie holds up. It's fun. Um, as far as the IMDb trivia, this one not a rich text at all. Sometimes I'll get to the IMDb trivia page and it's like ninety to a hundred items I have to parse through. This one had really just one that I found of note. Um, in reality, Ted Ray wasn't ne- anywhere near as obese as the actor who portrayed him, which is Stephen Marcus, who was just like a husky dude. It's just an interesting choice that they were like, let's just make this guy a gruff British John Daly. Interesting casting sure. choice, but like I really enjoyed watching that guy on screen. So I don't hate it. Okay. Well done by Stephen Marcus for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only, this wasn't the IMDb, but the, for the Hollywooded up the ending of, you know, you met trim, you know, just narrowly beats uh, Harry Varden. In reality, he cooked him by five shots in the playoff, which is like an yes. incredible ass beating. Yes. And, and they, they souped it up even more because remember the winning putt, which is kind of, he has to pull out the wedge and go over the ball that's between him and the hole. Um, obviously the rules of golf have changed and that's not the way that it works, but like that that wasn't there's I don't know that there's video of the last putt, but you know, given the lead that he had at that point, he could have just two putted. Could have just putted around the ball and then tapped it in. Um yeah. even in, in a pre ball marker, pre uh you know, pre modern rules of golf world. So yeah, they, they took some liberties for sure. Yeah, it was interesting looking at the differences in, in rules of golf then. And I don't, I don't know entirely what was, what was just Hollywood or something that was ignored and what was actually, but like they play through an absolute monsoon in this one, which would not happen now. Um, you know, they Harry Varden has course. to, yeah. Yeah. Harry Varden has to hit a ball that is just floating in a puddle in a bunker, arguably the most impressive golf shot of all time. Like that ball floating in a bunker, flops it out perfectly like an inch from the hole. Incredible stuff. The the British golfers who are portrayed in this movie, you know, they're portrayed as being like better than than we met. And and like even the we met wins, like in terms of the athletic feats that are portrayed, you are definitely meant to think, and I think this is correct, that these Brits are kind of insane. Like they're really, really good. And, you know, things break against them. But yeah, they do an effective job portraying that these guys are pretty serious on the links. Yeah, well, I mean, on that on that note, for you, like, what was the most authentic, I guess, golf centric part of this movie? What do you think they captured the best? Well, for one thing, I, I will give this to them: the swings of the actors are are pretty good. Like, they look pretty picturesque, and they look picturesque in an important way because a great golf swing today just looks different than a great golf swing in 1913 or even in like 1980. Um, you know the the sport has evolved, the equipment has evolved. So, you know, you swing a driver now, you wind it back a little differently because the club is going to flex uh, in a way that, you know, wood um, or, or you know, steel later on just wouldn't do quite the same. So golf swings are different, but like the swings that pretty much all of these actors were either coached into or naturally had, like look to me like a decent replica for what I, I imagine a good golf swing would have looked like around, you know, 1913 or so. Um, I also, this is a thing that I just noticed like from the, 
the recent U.S. Open that was at the Country Club. But there are some liberties taken here, I know. Some of the holes, like the first hole that is shown in the movie when we met walks up there with his, his little caddy, Eddie, looks like a pretty convincing look of what the Country Club looks like, like the actual first hole there, um, even today. I mean, and then, of course, it's been renovated several times. So, like, I, the CGI was what it was. Like, it wasn't intended to be believable, I don't think. But the golf looked kind of like golf, and the golf course looked kind of like the golf course. So, you know, we're two for two. Yeah, they essentially they they filmed it at a, a, a course in I think Quebec, and then took CGI and just like shaped the holes the way the way they needed to. But yeah, I'll agree. Same with the swings. There's I talk about it all the time. There's kind of like a sliding scale of how believable sports needs to look, just depending on how far in the past it was. Like look at like 1950s football. It doesn't need to look like you know 2000s. Like athletes have changed, but with golf, yes, the swings have changed, but you need a certain type of swing to you have needed a certain type of swing for the 500 years they've been playing golf to strike a ball squarely. There's only so many ways to do it. And I, I think that they did a great job with that. They also did a great job with acknowledging the, the mental aspect of golf. We see Varden struggling with it. It's something with his, like his past demons or, you know, the, the British aristocracy, you know, holding him out of uh, out of the game or whatever those those old guys with top hats he's imagining. When Matt's struggling with it, the second he realizes the president Taft is watching him, he kind of shits down his leg, which is like, you know, like a group's letting you hit through, and suddenly you have four strangers watching you, and you're 100 percent going to hook it into the trees. Like golf Absolutely. is a very very mental sport, and they they drive that home in a in a very effective way. They do, uh, and the the example that you give of you're being waved through, and suddenly you duff it because you have people watching you is the the most relatable way to put it as as an amateur um as someone who does not play in front of crowds usually and they do capture that really really well in this in this movie one of the other things that i like that they capture in this movie and this is just sort of relationship driven rather than you know anything production value the player caddy relationship between we met and uh what was the kid's name eddie little little eddie little eddie very sweet very protective um both of them towards the other uh kind of is a like there's something there with how even players today are with their caddies and certainly you know it's been very public when there's a high profile breakup you know tiger and phil have both had breakups with their longtime caddies who were who were with them for their biggest runs happens it's sometimes ugly but uh, the loyalty the protective spirit between player and caddy including when the country clubs like big wigs try to get we met to drop the kid and replace him with a more veteran caddy and he's like don't ever talk to my caddy again no one of my favorite moments of the film definitely what is before talking to me can't reason with a boy like that we'll take up a collection for him and pay him handsomely i understand his family could use it don't let him do it francis don't let him hey, 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 hey. is it true you know i can't pay you eddie I wouldn't do it for 10 bucks. I wouldn't do it for 100. You think I'd place you? They said you'd want to. Here's what they said. Who cares? This is me and you. We're a team. Okay? They don't get a vote in this. All right? Meet you outside. Don't ever talk to my caddy again. It's sweet. It's sweet. I mean, it's it's a very Disney moment, but also it uh, it's not entirely ridiculous. I mean, you'll see golfers ride with their caddies for very long times in the game because they're comfortable together. And um, sometimes, whether you're if you're comfortable together, is more important even than 
whether the caddy has the exact yardages right and is you know a real wizard of helping you select the right club and that's where eddie comes in big in this movie they do a good job with that is like his main job has was to to kind of wind francis down to keep him calm to kind of um keep keep him even keel and like also confident in himself like uh, you know the thing oh you just got to play better like it's a very it's a very fun relationship and because it is one of the things that with with this story is like they again in the u.s open we were watching at brookline they they kept you know they had a little um you know, one of those little cuts into the broadcast, like the story of Francis who met and, and his caddy. And it's the iconic picture of them, you know, Francis towering over Eddie and, and something like that. It kind of added to the lore of the story. And so it's something the movie needed an ale. And I thought it did it pretty well. Agreed. It's like there, it's such a cutthroat environment. Anytime you're doing a sports movie, like you're trying to portray a high stakes, everything is on the line. This is very stressful thing the entire dynamic and you need relief and it's not always comic relief sometimes it's just like comfort and that was like eddie was the way that the movie provided that and it's just nice uh i mean it's it's so disney obviously but there's a reason that disney does that it's because they realize that it's nice and uh and they've got us all kind of uh on a yo-yo with with how they can manipulate us in that way I mean, you can see why Disney jumped on the story too. Like, wait, we can we can put a cute little child actor in a in a role in, a, in an important role. Like, perfect. That's that's right up our alley. Um, for the least authentic part of this movie, and this is where I thought the movie really hit its stride. Like, it it makes a good choice saying we're gonna spend an hour and ten minutes or so on the U.S. Open. Like, we're gonna get there. But the the run up to the U.S. Open with Francis, they certainly make it seem like that round he plays to, I guess, kind of impress the, um, you know, the elders at the country club or something like that. They make it seem as though that is his first round of golf ever. If you look like Umet taught himself to play, he was caddying, he found some clubs, like taught himself to play, but ends up becoming a very like a very accomplished high school golfer. He's one of the best golfers in the state of Massachusetts right. when he's in high school right. and something like that and, and gets steered into selling sporting goods by his father. They make it seem very much like he has a nice swing. He knows this course. Like, let's see if he's good at golf. And he goes out and shoots what I, I believe is an 81 in his first round of golf. And like, on one of the let me tell courses you courses in the country, toughest yeah. courses in the country, uh, wood clubs. Yeah. I, 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 I think we, they could have put in a little more into showing what made him, what made these people think he has so much potential as opposed to, Oh, he looks like he has a nice swing. Let's, let's throw him out and he's going to shoot an 81 at the country club. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that another reason why that doesn't make a lot of sense and why it's, why it's kind of hard to believe is, you know, you're led to believe in the movie that the head of the USGA just like walks into his shop and says, Hey young man, we'd love to have you you know, come have this exemption in our tournament, come play in the U.S. Open. And that's not real if he's not really great at golf and he doesn't have a track record. You know, like, the USGA might come and try to, like, you know, now they have a process and, like, it's a serious qualifying process and, you know, that's just not a way that you would get an exemption. But if if they, if he was going to get that kind of white glove treatment from the USGA, he wasn't getting it because he impressed a few people at the club one day. You know, he was getting it because he was rich and connected, which he wasn't, or because he was known as like a real hotshot amateur golfer, one of the best in the country. And that's why they would want him. So they, they are asking you to suspend a bit of disbelief in those ways. 
Uh, and also with the effects, which, again, was a choice. Like, it's okay. But uh, it's one of the most obviously special affected, special affected movies of, of this genre, of the sports genre that I've ever seen. Because I don't think that they were interested in trying to do the tin cup thing of making cinema out of golf shots because it's hard. Yeah. And I mean, and that took a ton of work too, in terms of like, if you read, there's that great oral history of the making of tin cup, but like Costner and Don Johnson had to, had to learn how to golf and learn how to golf exceptionally well. Like they were taking lessons, playing all the time, that sort of thing. And that, that takes, that takes a lot of extra effort in terms of, in terms of making a golf movie. Um, was there anything that else that jumped out as, as, not very authentic to you for for me it was mainly just the hey we need just more of an example of why this guy is is good and perceived to be this good nothing else too big i think that the all of the british golf stars who were in the movie like they probably laid it on a bit thick of how obnoxious like how cold i guess that would be the better word how cold and aristocratic they were i mean they're also like they're athletes you know like they're they're not the queen um like you know don't come near me don't touch me so there was like a little bit of an air of that that i felt was leaned into pretty heavily by the movie but i also wasn't wasn't there in 1913 so i don't know you know lord northcliffe's true personality and so maybe it's hard for me to judge i mean if your name is lord northcliffe you need to have a certain air of stuffiness about you i guess i should say vard i'm mainly talking about vard in here uh not the one who they cast as the big guy and, and not Lord Northcliffe, but like Varden, for instance, um, you know, Varden's a competitor. I mean, Varden, like, is just a, he's well ahead of their time, but you know, he's just, he's Tom Watson or he's Gary Player, you know, he's just decades earlier, obviously. Um, so I have some questions about like how snooty was Harry Varden actually. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Cause they, they certainly play him off as he's our everyman too. Like, yes, he's reached a certain level of, um, of respect in British culture, but deep down, he's still the yep. every man from humble me. He's essentially, he's met, you know, 20 years prior or 20 yep. years later, something like that. Um, which is interesting because the actor who plays him, I, I assume you watch game of Thrones. Like I do. I do. So, so like Stannis Baratheon is, uh, is Harry Varden and Stannis Baratheon is a stuffy, one of my least favorite characters, TV characters of all time. Not likable, not uh, miserable asshole. And so it was actually nice to see him, uh, see him in a likable manner, but um, let's get into what worked about this one. Uh, What are some other aspects of why this movie hit that we haven't gone over yet? Well, the, the Disneyfication of it worked very well. The plot lended itself to Disney's whole shtick perfectly so i think it's a great disney movie in the same way that miracle is a great disney movie in the same way that remember the titans is a great disney movie they're going for the same thing and what was impressive and this kind of goes back to what we talked about from the beginning was that they were able to make that work with an individual athletic success story whereas the themes of remember the titans and miracle in order for disney to do this whole from nothing to something sports story were so tied up in collaboration and in how teams gelled over time. You know, in Miracle, it's you've got players on this team who hate each other. You've got the captain, Mike Ruzioni, being this doubted guy who needs to earn the respect of the team. You've got Herb Brooks's entire approach as the coach being doubted by USA Hockey. You've got all of that. Uh, remember the Titans, you've got white and black players 
uh, I would say struggling mainly because the the white players at first didn't want to, but like you, you've got the the entire dynamic of trying to bridge a racist gap in a football locker room, and also at the same time, Herman Boone attempting to to unite everyone and to to make it make it all work. That's that's easy, like for Disney to do. That's easy. That lends itself to Disney's thing. This is tough because you know we met has a friend the whole time in Eddie the caddy, but it's pretty much just we met doing this on his own. And, you know, like Varden is there as kind of the the foil, but you don't have a natural villain the way that like Miracle did with like the Soviets, for instance, like the Soviet hockey team, uh, or, or that Remember the Titans even did with, uh, you know, like Gary Bertier's mom and all of the people. Like, the R- racism too. in general. Right, yeah, like, it, you know, like there's – there's natural boogeymen, both serious and, and athletic in those movies. And there's not a great boogeyman in this one, right? Like Varden is kind of like that, but he's just Harry Varden. And so they, they managed to make the heartwarming sports thing and like the, the upward trajectory building to a climax. They managed to make it work in a much different environment than you typically see in the Disney sports movie. And I thought that that worked. Yeah. Cause Shia is very much on an island in this one. Like the entire movie has to rotate around him, rest on his shoulders versus all those movies have, have a lot of other characters kind of supporting, you know, sharing the ball, getting supporting kind of B and C plot lines and stuff like that. Any plot line, I would say aside from the minor, minor plot line of Harry Varden doesn't get into the RNA or isn't named to that club in the beginning. And it's kind of like Harry Varden fighting against his, his more humble roots. Other than that, any plot line in this movie is associated directly off our lead character. Is like it's spanning off him. Whereas there's our main plot line of him winning this U.S. Open. There's him. Um, you know, there there's the kind of romantic thing that isn't isn't entirely fleshed out too well, but like has its you know has its moments. Like that's off Shia. There's the you know the old disappointed immigrant dad trope, which I like. It's it's frustrating, but it just, it always works for a good emotional moment. Like, you know, exactly the second he's disappointed in him, like he's not down with golf. You like, I know where this is going at the end. I know exactly how it's going to end and it's still going to make me feel good, but that's all resting on one person. So they did a good job in balancing that and keeping it linear in that regard. Very much so. It's tight. I mean, I, I forget what the ultimate runtime of this movie was, but I'm looking now. It's full two hours. Yeah. About minutes. two hours. Yeah. About two on the dot. But, you know, they – there's nothing in this movie that you wonder if it had to be in the movie, which usually for a two-hour movie, I, I can usually find at least five or ten minutes that, that feels a bit superfluous. But everything here made sense, um, at least for, for why it was included, you know, up to including Taft showing up at the tournament, you know, to build pressure. I don't know if he actually showed up in real life. I would guess he, he looked did. like – that was a little slimmer Taft. That was something I was yeah. – I, I was expecting a little more, like, a little more girth. A little more left tackle from Taft. Yeah, a little bit more. Uh, but they kept it They kept it tight, uh, as yeah. tight as you can for a two-hour Disney sports movie. Yeah, something that I thought worked but also didn't work and kind of bear with me here, I liked the scoreboard mechanism of how we were keeping track with someone, like the the constant like whirring to certain names, and you'd see like Francis's name and then a shot from Francis, and you'd see like McDermott, the U.S. guy, and you'd see a, a shot from him. I, I really liked the mechanism. I thought that was a cool way to keep track of like who is who, um, what they're doing, like cycling in between shots and stuff like that. 
I just, I never had a great idea of how things were going in the tournament. Like until the end, I was, I was a little unsure of where everyone is kind of stacking up. And I thought that could have been a little smoother, but I liked the mechanism that they tried to try to keep up with, with the players. Yeah. It would have been interesting if they'd have just leaned into like modern broadcasting and just like flash scores animated on the screen from time to time. Like the way that you're seeing, if you're watching the open championship today, but that wouldn't have really suited the time period that we're talking about. So I can understand why they didn't want to do that. Yeah, they needed to find a way to to modernize it in terms of keeping score. Like back then, they had the you, all you had was your your manual scoreboard where they're just hanging numbers off of it or or what have you. So, um, I also I thought I thought about this during it and looking at Francis Sumet, like he wins a lot of these amateur. Like he he doesn't win another U.S. Open, but he wins a ton of amateur championships, and he's you know gen- he gets he ends up being uh, posthumously inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame like he is the king. he is essentially what Stuart Hagestad won- wants to be just yes. a professional amateur he is he is our Stuart Hagestad so Stuart Hagestad has played in how many majors as like a mid-am qualifier or something like that over the years i think he's played in i know he's played in multiple US Opens i think he just he just played it that he was the low am at the Masters he has played he has played in the let's see he has played in the masters twice and he was the low am the first time in 2017 he has played in four u.s opens incredible and he's been in he's been in the open a couple of times as well he was hagestad has been in the open imagine being an amateur american and you're not like you know you're you're not like a a Uh, matthew wolf or someone like that wait he actually it seems like he was slated, I believe, to play in the Open in 2020, but then the tournament did not happen because okay. of COVID. So, so he's made his way around, around basically the Masters and the U.S. Open, which is pretty good. Incredible. And, and he has finished, he finished 64th at the Country Club, which is good for him. Yeah, he might have seen this movie in 05 and was like, "I want to be that guy." Because what I think, what is he? He's just like he's a finance bro. Yeah, is he's it? not. It's not like he's like some guy who doesn't who just like needs to sell his house so that he can afford the entry fee in, into these things. You know, he, I think he has a lot of money and it's like a hobby for him, but yeah. cool. I mean, good for him. Good, good for him. The, the Francis we met of our time. Um, something else I like that worked is, uh, and I don't know if it's corny or I'm just like leaning into the cheesiness. I liked the, the essentially the ending being the ending from Casablanca, where it's just Eddie and Eddie and Francis walking away holding the trophy, and he says, "You know something, Eddie? You and I are going to be great friends." Like they might have just, they might as well have just said, "This is looks, you know, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship" or something like that. Like they should have just laid fully into it. I hope they lived a long and happy life together as good friends. That, according to all the trivia and the Wikipedia, apparently they did. Apparently, Eddie was a, a pallbearer at We Met's funeral. So wow. apparently okay. they apparently they say tight and that thing about Eddie at the end being a multimillionaire apparently really happy really happened so good for Eddie multimillionaire in those days would be a lot of money that's I mean, big time today's days is a lot of money but especially in those days oh yeah oh yeah um moving on to the strikeout the worst most head scratching part about this movie did anything jump out to you is like this just didn't work at all I wouldn't say didn't work at all but I the one thing they probably could have used a few more extras for some of their scene setting, even with the CGI. I think I, I watched a little featurette that they had like 300 extras for the day that they shot the final round of the tournament. 
could have looked a, a little bit more real if you'd have put a few thousand more people in there. I don't know what real attendance was anyway, but you know, you could have created a slightly more convincing and evincing emotionally scene with a few more extras. I feel like atten- again, I didn't do the research here. I feel like attendance was probably big cuz like what else were you going to do in 1913? Yeah, and it's the National Open. National Open. It's near Boston. Yeah. 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 I feel like it probably would have been packed. Um for me, I already really touched on mine is that it was just too hard to follow the tournament itself. That that aspect was a little little uneven if it could have been a little more linear of we have a great idea of where Francis is pacing. Um they do they use one of, one of the mechanic like mechanisms they use is the reporters like tight, you know, uh, orating their orating their stories to overseas reporters or doing some typing or something like that. Um, like maybe a little more of that, like sprinkling in a little more chatter from the gallery or something like that, just to give us give us an idea. Because, like you said, with uh, if they would have done like modernization of um, you know graphics on the screen or something like that, Tin Cup has the benefit of um, you know the post round interviews and Roy McAvoy's press conferences, and you've got Nance in the booth kind of narrating what's happening. So they had to find other other mechanics and other ways to do that. Maybe having some running reporter tent that's giving us constant updates would have been a little bit easier. Oh, that would have been easier. good. Yeah. That would have been good. These, you got these guys uh, hacking out typewriter messages. Would have been good. Yeah. 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 Uh, you mentioned something, and this I'm going out of order of the show because you no. said what didn't work. There are no One rules of the things here. that I do like that I do like is the – repeated shots of his mother and father even you know as you see uh, his father stannis baratheon becoming a little bit less skeptical skeptical as a ghost i've covered a number of u.s opens in person um just over the years as, as a media member and one of my favorite things i've also been to one or two as a fan one of my favorite things to notice every time is the amateurs who are playing and their families following them and they're just so excited that their kid is out there playing the same course that day as Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth and whoever. And this is, this is that that is included in this movie is like, you know, you don't see Varden's parents there, but they probably weren't there. They probably didn't travel across the world to go and watch the U S open. I mean, based on life expectancy rates and the kind of age we estimate might not have been Varden is. Yeah. I don't know if Varden's parents were able to make that trip for certain, but we get, we get, we met's mom running out to the green. Like I'm, you we know, do. I'm his mom. I was my, that's a really, that's a really good moment. Yeah. It just, it captures the parental pride of seeing your, your child on a stage like that. And that is cool. And also very Disney, but, but also real. It existed. Very Disney. Again, like <laughs> the constant, the constant scenes with, with Wimet's dad, uh, played by Elias Cotius, who's like a he's like a that guy. Like I always think of him. He's one of the uh, he's one of the detectives in Vallejo oh, sorry, and Zodiac. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. I, th- I always, I always think of him as the guy the guy from Zodiac. Uh, the constant like, even if it's just like they're showing him at work, whatever kind of uh, manual labor job he's got, like seeing Francis's photo on the on the cover of the paper and stuff like that, and like giving the constant disapproval and like you, I mean, you just know the whole time you're like, he's going to soften. He's going to soften. He's going to soften that you get it. And it's still, they, they lay it up perfectly it, for a golf term. They lay it up perfectly and, and it's going to hit, but they do do a great job of incorporating, incorporating both parents. Cause they could have made it very heavy. It's just the dad disapproving and the mom is kind of this minor thing, but like seeing her get, get very into it and, and run out to the green and stuff like that is important. Very much so. It's very sweet. 
Um, is there anything that didn't work that we haven't discussed yet? Well, Varden's strategy in the playoff did not work. No. No. Actually, actually, I can't even really say that it was strategy that didn't work because apparently in real life the weather was 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 not very good. They but, played in rain, yes, in the playoff. But uh, he he didn't do it. He's he's a champion, open champion, and he didn't do it. So I guess that didn't work. That's that's the thing. I I feel like after watching this, I would like to read the book. But like Varden is a he won multiple uh, British Opens. He's won a U.S. Open. And an amateur just absolutely blows him out to sea in an 18-hole playoff. Tr- truly stunning. It's like shouldn't probably shouldn't happen, you know? I mean, like if if Tiger can beat Rocco Mediate, then surely Varden should be able to beat uh, beat Francis Wimet. But hey, I guess yeah. that's that's the rub of the green sometimes. Especially a Francis Wimet who remade his swing right before us open qualifying like the guy the you know the guy from the club he's like i'm gonna help you you know we're gonna do some things like the only person i can think of who would do that is jordan spieth like if we found out before the masters that on wednesday spieth was like went into the lab went into the track man completely reworked my swing i've got two new swing thoughts i'm focusing on that's what you know that's the only other person who I could be like, yeah, this is fine. This feels this feels right. Yeah, and then he'll go out and beat the best player in the world. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Seeing seeing Wimet reworking his swing before the U.S. Open was like, I I feel like that probably didn't happen. I feel like those lessons were probably incorporated right, you know, not right before qualifying. But I guess I guess whatever works. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned as far as other stuff that didn't work. You know, we mentioned the CGI. The only other thing that stood out to me is. Uh, very long opening credits in this one. This was uh, this was right before the the cold open days, and uh, I, I think I think if they if they redid this, they would probably you know would probably axe the the long credits and probably axe a little bit of this movie. Like probably could have been done in a tight one hundred. I feel like there's you know there's at least ten minutes you could trim off here or there. Absolutely, the plot lines were not superfluous, but you could have shortened up some dialogue. Could have even shown a few fewer, a couple fewer golf shots if you needed to to shorten things up. Definitely. Um, let's take a quick ad break and then get back with the best scene. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So best scene uh, is there off the off the top are there any non golf tournament golf scenes at all that stand out to you as a contender for the best scene in this one you mentioned the the caddy Francis standing up for Eddie that that's that I feel like that's the best of the non golf related scenes yeah i think of the non golf related scenes 
and probably in general that was my favorite scene in the movie uh i also i do like the scene like when he walks out for the playoff like i i think that a good sports movie needs a scene where you're about to come to the like the climactic point and you have like the gladiator entering the arena this is the thing that miracle does great it's the best scene of miracle is when team usa is getting the locker room speech from herb brooks before they play the soviets and where eddie hypes up shia or hypes up, hypes up francis we met and then they walk out to the packed first tee um overlooking that downhill par four or whatever first hole of the country club that was actually a very like cool moment like it, it captured what i imagined was you know what it felt like to be in the arena at that time so to speak so i like that from the golf perspective uh it felt less hokey than you know the the edited ending of the putt yeah. on the green uh, yeah. which like you know it was going to happen so great um so i thought it built up very nicely what did you think of the the round three montage the in the rain it's just like we we start out we see i think it's ted ray or it's harry or someone who's like looking out of the window and seeing the rain you're like okay the weather's shit today and then it's just this massive montage of dudes getting insanely frustrated and breaking clubs while swinging as hard as they can in the rain I love that personally. Um, for me, a, a real golf tournament, if, if everyone finished 15 over at the U.S. Open, I would enjoy that just fine. A bloodbath. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. the uh, It's really it's really frantic, like that, that montage, because golf in a lot of things is supposed to be like calm and peaceful. And like uh, Legend of Bagger Vance plays into that really, you know, the seeing the field thing and, and the um, like the zen of golf. And this just felt like a bunch of guys who were on full tilt and, and living in absolute hell golfing in the rain. I've played one round of golf and in, in some pretty consistent rain before. Like we just kind of said, like we paid our money, fuck it. Let's try to be out here. And sure. it, it's, it can be a lot of fun, but, uh, it's very, very tough when you're, when you're hitting balls out of sitting water. Um, the only golf strategy scene that they did was that the 17th hole Whereas, and again, at like a great caddy moment when, um, when Varden hits, hits driver, whatever they you would call it, Varden hits his wood and Eddie stops Francis from hitting his. Cause he's like the bunker down there. You don't know that he's, you don't know that he's out of it. And Francis, I guess kind of lays up, but he's in the fairway. And then we find out uh, Varden has that like nasty, nasty shot in the lip where he essentially has to punch out. Yep. It was the one golf strategy bit of this movie. And I really enjoyed it. I, I would have liked seeing more of that, more of like the mechanics of, of strategy of golf, especially around yeah. a U.S. Open where stuff is about like where to place the ball, like, you know, using a backstop or, you know, stuff yeah. like that. I would have thought, especially like back in the day with how the ball moved and, and you know, you're not you're not bombing balls on the green from 250 yards. I I really enjoyed that incorporating that aspect of it is like our one little bit of strategy. You're absolutely right. And also, I think that if I – this was a, a movie trivia thing that I think I saw looking up for this show. That 17th hole actually doglegs the other way in real life. <laughs> but they made it dogleg. I think it was like a dogleg right in the movie and it's left in real life or, or the inverse. Uh, funny. Yeah, respect. But I it agree is, with you that I, yeah. I, I, think it, I think it is good to have a little bit of golf strat. Yeah, which is interesting because both of them having to play, I guess, a cut into a dogleg right as opposed as opposed to a draw with the dogleg left was a lot different. What what state like what is the best seat in this one for you? If you had to go back and pick one, I think it's when Shia LaBeouf sticks up for the caddy, when Francis sticks up for Eddie. I, I do. I, I think it's the best scene. It's it's the one that really establishes okay, like these two are gonna have a partnership, and also it would have sucked to see that that cute kid get 
frozen out of helping his friend. So would I would have been horrible. Would have, yeah. would have been absolutely would have been devastating. And then and then and then it would have ruined Francis too. It would have ruined him. It would have made his win feel meaningless. And he would have he would have played with some experienced kind of stuffy dude who would have tried to tell it just wouldn't have worked well. That's a nope. lot of it goes back to the mental aspect of golf. Francis had comfort with Eddie. Like that you can't can't put a price on that. No. Um best quote in this one. This isn't um isn't the most quotable sports movie I've ever covered on the show. Like not a you know, not not chock full. I had one that I enjoyed and it wasn't like a um you know, it wasn't wasn't like a classic sports line, but it was uh, Ted and Ted and Harry in the morning when Ted says, uh, morning, Harry, dreadful English weather. Harry says, how'd you sleep? And Ted says, like a baby, woke up every two hours and cried. So uh, Ted, very millennial in, in his thinking right there. I like it when I forget what shot it is that we met hits, but Eddie is like, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> that is, that is the um, iconic line. I've yeah, never the, heard it before. The very, the very childish, the very childish line. Like, oh, this is you have a ten year old as your caddy, but he's he's like a he's like a fun yeah. quaint ten year old. There's also the the Leo DiCaprio pointing at the pointing at the TV meme of when the the British the when the, the reporter or whoever is like it will be the greatest game ever played, and then it's like oh oh there it is there it there is, it is. Use, use the line in the movie. Um, Kevin Costner, Freddie Prince Jr. awards for best and worst on-screen athlete. You kind of you kind of covered this with like everyone's swing looks good. I don't think there's anyone who stands out one way or another. It's all it's all kind of even keel here. Yeah, very even keeled. The golf is solid, uh, which I think is what you're hoping for in this in a movie in a sports movie. You're just you're just trying not to get clowned for it being completely unbelievable. You know, you don't need to be Rory McIlroy, and it was good. Definitely, especially with nineteen thirteen context, like you just had just had to look passable and and were there. Um, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. I usually open this with being like, who's in the movie too much? I would say only Shia is in the movie too much to not be considered a supporting character. Yeah, I would agree. Shia certainly cannot be considered a supporting character. Uh, I mean, what about his mom? His mom's great. Uh, that is Marnie McPhail. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but she's great. It is Mary we met. Um, obviously, Josh Flitter is Eddie. Like, love a little kid with relentless optimism. We talked about Stephen Delane as Harry Bart, Harry Varden. Like, really grounded performance. I en- enjoyed that. Um, like the guy, Steve Marcus as Ted Ray. Like, seemed like he'd be just a great time. Probably, a, he would probably be if we were picking like who from this movie would you want to add to your foursome. He's probably the move. Probably I would say. so. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, I like the mom. I also I want to shout out one of uh, Francis's buddies, uh, Frank. He's the one who who lets him know that Taft is playing. Uh, he is played by Luke Kirby, who is uh, Lenny plays Lenny Bruce in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yep. One of my favorite TV characters of all time. So he's very good. He's very good. Wonderful. Um, I'm I'm fine giving it to uh, to the mom. I thought she with what she had to do, very very good. The the mom or or uh, Josh Flitter is Eddie. They're both. Yep. Both a joy. Yeah, Josh, Both a- Josh Flair was tremendous. Yep. For roster moves, like recasting this one, I'll I'll admit I couldn't really think of anything like who I would want to recast or anything like that. I would just say if we were going to incorporate a pro golfer, so it's like 2005, they're filming this in 2004, 
I feel like Phil Mickelson would have loved to have hammed it up in this one. I don't think he'd have been very good. I don't think smartest man in the room vibes works well no. on screen in something like this. I just think he would have really enjoyed being in it. Sure. I also think non uh, sports wise that Benedict Cumberbatch could have played Varden would have would have handled it with a plum. Oh, yeah, he would. He that's man. That's uh that's great. Yeah, he would have been he would have been absolutely perfect. That is that is no a dis- dynamite. No disrespect to the guy who actually played Varden. No, 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 no disrespect to Stannis Baratheon. But um, man, we've only had this category for a few weeks and that might be the best. Uh, that might be the best <laughs> drop right there. That is that is good. Good work. Um, the big chill. So this is like, this is what Disney sports movies are all about. Really is the, the big, you know, the big chill moments. Miracle has a ton of them. Um, the moment in the rookie where he gets called in to uh, to pitch in the big leagues for the first time with the score blaring. Like that's one of my favorites of all time. This one, um, what, what jumps out? Like, what is the biggest chill moment for you in this one? You know, I liked, I think it's after he makes the putt. To, to win uh even though it's obviously very fictionalized and i like that he is immediately thinking of eddie he's like he's saying like pass the plate for eddie or something pass like the hat that. for eddie pass the hat right uh like you know he's immediately thinking of his caddy like great uh that that made me feel feel good and fuzzy no no, no i can't take it pass the hat for eddie pass the hat for eddie here yeah that that kind of transitions into mine which is uh getting the dollar from his dad like again the thing that they laid us up for perfectly like you knew the dad was going to come around there he is giving him a dollar looking very proud i i couldn't help it i was i was very into that very much so it was it was a nice i mean they did lay it up it was a nice set piece well executed well done disney it was it was a classic like hit a hit a nice iron onto the green tap and birdie. Uh, how would you improve this one? If you had to, if you got if you got final cut, got to make a few few suggestions. I'd be interested in seeing a retry of this movie with the tin cup way of shooting golf instead of the CGI approach. Would have taken a lot, lot just, like it would have been a, a Herculean effort to do it, but I'd be interested to see it. I think that executed well, executed well, it would have been better. But yeah, it's hard to do well. That's why there's only one tin cup. Yeah, if you want to like combine our last two categories, like before more restore, prequel, sequel, or remake, a remake of this, I, I honestly like a non Disney-fied version. Like I said, I'm I'm fine with what we got. Like the family-friendly aspects. Um, you know, it's a big studio made a sports movie. I'm not going to complain. But like the tin cup version of this, or like a grittier version of what this could look like, filmed a little more faithfully to golf. I would, I would be very interested in in seeing that, um, and or seeing you know any sort of similar story or something like that. Like you could, you could do kind of this, like the, you know, the underdog wins a tournament with a lot of things, like Jack's last Masters run. Although Jack Nicholas, seeing seeing him viewed in like a very positive light now, would have a lot of different different connotations to it but like something like this just like give me the grittier version of the greatest game ever played filmed with less cgi i think would be a very engaging film totally agree totally agree yeah i'm but i think i mean i think what they put together lands like it wasn't 
compared to the other Disney movies, I'm wondering if this kind of put the brakes on some of those. Like we get ones later, like we get like McFarland USA or things like that. But this grossed $15 million in the box office, whereas like Remember the Titans is, you know, grossed over $100 million and is on TNT all the time and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't even I, know if they made their money back on this one. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. Um, you know, and it's, it's not like this one, this one gets played on golf channels sometimes, but it doesn't get the, doesn't get the cable run, like the, the TNT TBS run that the rookie or, um, or remember, remember the Titans, especially like it, for a certain time period, like during the two thousands, that movie was on TNT. It seems like every weekend. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and it this, was serious. And this didn't get remembered like that. Uh, with, didn't, it didn't get remembered like the Titans. But what we got was pretty decent. Uh, Alex Kirshner, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate you chopping it up on this one. Tell the folks again where they can follow you, where they can check out Split Zone Duo. Thanks, Kyle. It's a pleasure. Big fan of what you do as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Alex underscore Kirshner. That's S-H-N-E-R, no C, uh, K-I-R-S-H-N-E-R. Uh, and you can check us out at Splits on Duo, uh, which we're easy to find if you just look us up. Uh, we'd love to see you if you like college football or even if you just like hearing hearing three people talk about sports. Highly encourage everyone, if you're a college football fan, go check out Splits on Duo. Again, the Patreon is the best money I spend all year. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave a review if you're an Apple podcast or Spotify. You know the drill. If you want to support the show, head to patreon.com slash big screen sports. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That's presented by Baseball America. We'll be back at you next Monday on Big Screen Sports covering speed with old friends Ryan Nanny and Caroline Darney. Tune Ooh. in for that. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.